What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 49 of The Size Up. And kind of cool, this is the last episode that will be out for 2023, which is kind of crazy that, you know, we dropped the relaunch this year and, and we have not missed a Tuesday yet. Uh, and I'm really hoping that this one comes out next Tuesday, because then I would be lying if I said that and it was wrong. But, you know, day after Christmas, anything's possible. I got my Christmas, my Dropkick Murphy's Christmas sweatshirt on, because I figured, why not? You only get to wear it a couple weeks in the year, so I may as well throw it on here. Um, and two, with that, you know, before I get into my guests, just a huge thank you to everybody that listens, everybody that sponsored this year, all the companies I got to work with, all the people for your messages, um, you know, obviously the guys at National Fire Radio, you know, Jeremy for giving me the opportunity, Seb for all the work that he does on the back end of this. Um, and he is also probably the biggest part of getting this thing out every Tuesday, because Seb does all the editing, he does all the posting, uh, when we've had you know, computery type problems. Seb has stayed up late nights while I was in bed sleeping to fix them. So the episode came out on Tuesday. So, you know, thank you to you guys and show them some love. Uh, so before we keep, I could talk about that all day. Let me get to my guest because this dude and I have been friends for, I don't know, probably going on like six or seven years now, I think, because he's a, he's a yeah. Jersey guy from a totally different area of Jersey. But my man, Jim, and, and I'm going to, I always mess up your last name because I have another friend that's exactly the same. So I call you Jim Garral, and that's close, but you say it all differently, right? Yeah, Grawl. Grawl. It, it, it oh. is. I have, I have a Garral, you're a Grawl, and I can never get it right. Like, I should <laughs> think of Dave Grohl, actually. But how are you today? Yes, man? That's, that's, that's a perfect way to, to say it, actually. <laughs> uh, I'm doing great. Uh, happy, uh, I love the shirt, Dropkick Murphys. We got that in common. Love that. I think we were at a show together and we didn't even know it once. I think yeah. that was, we were at a, a stone pony show together and afterwards realized that we were both there and didn't, didn't realize it. It was uh, the first concert I brought my sons to. It was a great concert. <laughs> really? That the Dropkick Murphys was their first show. Yes. Like both that, same time. Time. Yeah. Yep. That's a great show to bring them to, too. Cause it's just such a good crowd and, and oh, they're yeah. such a good live band. Absolutely. They, uh, they brought it and uh, they were so happy. And, and so was I. We brought the uh, the concert poster. I actually have that on my my living room wall. <laughs> you have to, right? Like like my son. So their first like kind of punk rock type show was a uh, uh, punk rock ska show. Was the Interrupters and Flog and Molly, um, and That's they got great. the t shirts and they still rock the t shirts. Uh, although it's getting a little young on Finn right now, so he's gonna be able to rock that much longer. Well, funny you mentioned music. I think the last time I saw you, we were kind of we weren't actually at a concert, but I guess we were, right? We were you were down. <laughs> I was down your way vacationing <laughs> your town, which we're going to get into. Uh, and, uh, you know, any chance you get to hear Ja Rule live, you just have to kind of take it, right? Exactly. We had, we kind of had, you know, nosebleed section seats and he sounded just as good from your condo. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty awesome so so jim uh is a retired fire captain here from from the good old state of new jersey but a very different part of new jersey and wildwood new jersey is a very special place to most folks in new jersey and the folks i would say in the greater philadelphia region of uh the united states and maybe no one else has ever heard of it before uh, is that a correct statement I don't know, man. I feel I've been doing a little bit of travel now post-retirement and every town that I go to, somebody knows about Wildwood and it's a great story. It's, 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 it's crazy. If you ask me small town by size, but huge in reach. And, uh, everyone either has been here or knows someone has been here and it's just amazing to, to still live here. <laughs> and you were born and raised in Wildwood, right? No, I wasn't born here. I was born uh, actually in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and uh, came down here. Pretty much uh, went through the school system, though, from like junior high on. So I um, not not born, but definitely raised and, uh, you know, met my best friends down here. So it's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. So just for everyone too, like, again, that may never have heard of Wildwood or at least know someone that went there, you know, what's the whole demographic down there? Because a shore town is a unique place anywhere in the country. But yes. New Jersey, I feel like it's even more unique and more special. So everyone, you know, it's a, it's a beach town, right? And if you ask me, we have the best beaches around our sa There's nothing like our sand. You know, you go to the, you go to Florida, you go to the Caribbean and you, and you put your feet in the sand there. And it's kind of like gritty. It's, 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 you can't describe it unless you've actually been to Wildwood. Yes. The beaches are super long and you might, you know, you might need to stop for a water break along the way. But uh, once you get down to the water's edge, it's uh it's amazing. And uh, so, so it's a short town. We are, 
pretty much, a, I should say, a sleepy town for half of the year. You know, our population's only like five to 10,000 in Wildwood. But then there's Wildwood Crest and North Wildwood. They're each about 5,000 to 6,000 each. But then, you know, most of the better part of the year, we're anywhere from one, a couple hundred thousand people on any given weekend and most of the summer. So um, the challenges that are faced in, in major metropolitan areas, we see them down here um, just with a better view and, and honestly more challenges because um, being at the beach, we do have an additional, you know, additional challenges that mean we can get into later with, uh, you know, responding to open water rescues and all that good stuff. Yeah, I think one of the things too, when if on the emergency services end, is again, you guys aren't crowded. You know, you're not over a hundred thousand people, three hundred and sixty-five days a year. So that, in and of itself, presents a challenge for staffing, for budgeting, for all those things that just you know you don't even think about them when you're in a place like where I am, where yeah, Rutgers, you know, increases our population fifty thousand people, but that's for. At this point, I feel like it's year round. You know, the summer definitely dips down in New Brunswick. It's the exact opposite of you guys, but it, it seems like it's shortened. More of the kids are staying than they were before. Yeah, um, you're you're absolutely right on that. With the staffing challenges. What what used to be, uh, we used to have seasonal firemen, and I mean we, we still do, but because of the seasonal the staffing challenges, they pretty much now are work on a you know twenty four seven basis, some some way, shape, or form. But what was cool about when I first started with the seasonal guys is that I've worked along guys that are now firemen in, in FDNY, DC. It was Wildwood is kind of was kind of like a stepping stepping stone for different fire science programs and colleges around. They would send their freshmen down here. They would spend a summer here and have the best summer of their life and then move on to the best job in the world. And it was yeah. just like it was a it was a good good combo. And uh, unfortunately, with the price of real estate. And a lot of other, a lot of other things, uh, we don't get as many of those, those sort of uh, opportunities anymore. Yeah, um, it's, it's just still, the growth. But to think like how, how great that would be to start your career, you know, it's uh, like best summer job ever. It's kind of like being a lifeguard, you know what I mean? In a way, except you're a firefighter. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> and you got the best of both worlds with being able to assist with Beach Ocean Rescue, um, which I know you had a, a huge part of too in your career. And that's a whole different topic yeah. to get into, right? Yeah, it's, it's a whole nother dynamic that uh, we have, we, we embraced and uh, you know, we're, we're, th we're thankful to have a great work relationship with the, with the beach patrols, but then, you know, they depend on us when they're off duty and it just kind of goes hand in hand. We couldn't, we, we couldn't do it without them. And thankfully they're there because uh, they're much needed. So what, what Jim snuck in there too, with Wildwood, if you, if you want to Google it, if you've never heard of Wildwood, New Jersey, is that the beach to get from where the boardwalk is to the actual ocean is a solid 200 yards. I don't know. Uh, at least, at least, right? You're, you're able. We're able to hold concerts, uh, headlining concerts of 50,000 people on our beach, and still have room on all sides to to do everything. Still have the ocean. Still have the ocean on the other yes. side. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so when you see normally when you see a concert on the beach, folks, you think it's uh, like long. It parallels the shoreline. Wildwood is the exact opposite. It's perpendicular yeah. to the shoreline. Yes. Totally. Perfect example. Which again, it, it, I always thought it was cool. You know, my family's vacation there my whole life. I went when I was younger with my parents and family. I brought the boys down there. Obviously, we got to to see Ja Rule there in North Wild <laughs> together one night. Um, but it's just one of those great things. And to be able to live there and still enjoy it so much, I feel like that's like one of my favorite traits that you have. Like you live in the place where everybody goes to vacationing, but you love it. Uh I, I am beyond grateful for exactly what you just said. And in addition to that, I don't just live here. I work, I was able to work here for 25 years in the best job in the world. I was able to ride my bicycle to work a four minute commute for 25 years. And that, you know, when I tell people that they're just as astonished as, as I am for saying it. And I am beyond grateful to say that, to, to mean it and to work alongside the best guys in the business. And, and by by ride his bicycle, he means his beach cruiser with yeah. koozie in the front, ready to go in case he needs to go. Because I've I've met Jim out a few nights where I've been in the area and he's rolled in in his bike, and that's just a cool thing about a shore town too. And where you are, where you're, where you live at least, and again, we're not folks, we're not talking a very large uh, city here, but you're more away from the tourist section, let's say, right? Or does it does not count anymore? It's just tourists everywhere. On the, on the island, you mean? Yeah, on the island. Yeah, I mean, 
I am, I, I'm not necessarily down, you know, I'm not oceanfront or beachfront like that. So there's, there's, um, hotel wise. Yeah, you are correct. But, um, with all the, with all the, uh, condos, the conversion to condos and stuff, the Airbnbs, there's definitely as many tourists around any given street, any, any time anymore. So that's cool. A big thing for you guys too, because you know the the hotel that I apparently I don't know if it was a hotel or a motel, but the Rio Grande Hotel that we spent our summers at right there when you pull into Wildwood is now a miniature golf course. Um, and there, I've been able to see the transition in the buildings and how people are vacationing or living. But I mean, you've really experienced it living there year round. Oh, absolutely! It's uh, it's definitely changed dramatically. I mean the, the the amount of hotel rooms are are not quite what they used to be. So it's instead of uh, you know you you know growing up, what did you do? You packed a couple people in a in a hotel room with uh, you know two beds. Now there's multiple families getting together, finding Airbnbs that have you know three, four. I I, I think what was your, the size of your condo last five, year? Four you floors, gonna, five yeah, rooms. That's three. That's how you do it. You you kind of just pack as many people in there. You know, make it make it affordable. Not not necessarily the hotel room vibe, but, you know, just as fun. It's cool, too, though, that I feel like they're, you know, when, when we talk about things, whether it be fire service related, life related, and I guess this is definitely more life related, but that everyone's accepted that change down there, too. You know, you don't, I was sad when the Rio wasn't there anymore with its ugly <laughs> green paint and little coffee yeah. shop and things like, oh, it's not there anymore. But I was happy to see other things appearing that keep people coming there, you know, moving and, and evolving. Yes. I, you know, that change is one of them things, as we both know from the fire service. It's uh, ready or not, it's coming. You, you have to embrace it and uh, make the best of it. And I'm sure there too, you have some folks that are totally against it in the town uh, that just yeah. want nothing to change, but it's not going to, it's never going to work. Ab absolutely. Um, there's definitely some, some of those people. Um, thankfully they're not the majority. So you just kind of, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm always been the kind of guy you just you hear all sides and, you know, let, let everyone kind of just come to a, come to an agreement. You don't necessarily have to agree with different opinions but everyone has their own opinion they're entitled to it and you come to a resolution um once they're all out on the table and there are definitely shore towns too that have not wanted to change and some have succeeded and some have not in new jersey i mean i'm sure it's this way in other states too but you know there there are a few places that have stayed that kind of the same as they've always been but if you haven't started to advance and, and keep up with what folks want you're just not going to make it anymore that's true I, we could say that about a lot of things, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a Jersey Shore is one of them. <laughs> For sure. I mean, even in, in Wildwood, you know, the boardwalk rides are, you know, you have some serious rides on the boardwalk in Wildwood, which, you know, recently happened a little more closer to, to myself and Seaside, but that was because they lost their rides during Hurricane Sandy. Um, yeah. When they rebuilt, they were able to build up, but, you know, Wildwood has always had a larger attraction. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, like we just touched on that crazy big beach. Um, I think that's is it plays a huge factor as a buffer essentially from you know mother nature. Um, our our rides are the best around if you ask me, and and they do. I mean, thankfully for the Moors, they have a humong they have a huge maintenance staff. Those those rides take a beating, but they do put up they do they do last. And uh, you know I think it has a lot to do with the, the geographical area and obviously the the maintenance of them. Yeah, I mean, the, the big beach is definitely helping with keeping the water, you know, from from coming coming on the main road, at least you have you have a yep. huge buffer as opposed to most uh, yeah. Jersey shore towns that maybe have, I mean, if they have 50 yards of buffer, that's a lot until the, the water is hitting their main street. Um, but the rides, are out out. what's that? It's a great place to work out too. <laughs> and it is a great place to work out. You know what I mean? That, that's another, another win for going to Wildwood on vacation. See, I, this could end up being like a, like almost a wild go to Wildwood, even though we're going to talk about your yeah. vacation, but yeah, you can yeah. work out right on the beach with Jim in Wildwood if you're a fitness buff. <laughs> on unofficial uh, Wildwood ambassador, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> fitness, the Wildwood fitness ambassador. So Jim runs uh, fitness classes out on one of the piers. Uh, however, there's stairs that lead to the beach. So most of his workouts take you from a little bit on the pier down to the sand, down to the water. Uh, I've experienced it a few times and it, it's a good. So good to get one workout in while you're on vacation, right? Oh, it it is. Uh, there's not you really can't compare it to anything else. It's you know I talk about working out outside the box and everything. Well, 
I'll just briefly say how it got how it got started was just the Murph challenge itself. Like I never intended to have an outdoor fitness company at all. Um, Ten years ago, a group of friend, friends of mine we we decided to do the Murph challenge. We took a couple four by fours, carried them to the beach, post hole digger, put put the whole thing together, banged out the Murph. Workout and, one was uh, was setting up Murph, and then workout two was Murph. Yeah, exactly. And as crazy as that was, it just kind of kept up year after year. And after that happened, I made more friends along the way. Groups kept getting bigger. And then before the before I know it, people were texting me and calling me saying, hey, you, do you want to work up, work out up there? You know, not just the Murph. So here we go, progressing through the years. Before you know it, it's one day a week, two days a week. And now, you know, most most days of the most weeks of the summer, we're up there three, three times a week, anywhere from a group of 10 people. Fourth of July weekend this year was was uh, like was 50, 50 people. And it was just uh, it's just great to see this many people who love to start their day, uh, challenging themselves. And then it, they go home, they go home with a smile. The first they come with a smile because they're on vacation and they leave with an even bigger smile because they know that they just earn their earn their wild night is what I was what I say. Whatever their choice is, you know, there there's so much, so many choices to choose from, but they started with uh started with getting strong in the morning and it's just amazing. It's so much fun too. And, and you're exactly right. Cause I've, I don't even know how many times I've worked out with you there. And, and there's always groups like always get groups of people from different places and yep. you know, everybody comes with their friends. There's always one friend that party too hard the night before. And there you could see it that they're like, I don't want to work out right now, but it's like the, the best and worst peer pressure ever. And they made their mistake the night before and then they get into it and some succeeded <laughs> and some, uh, I remember specifically one person did not keep going in, in that workout we did yes. one time, but you know, it's good. And it's something that's so different. Right. And yeah. when I tell people that I'm like, yeah, we worked out like, Oh, and they're like, Oh, you went to a box or you went here. I'm like, nah, we were on the pier. Like we were on the beach. Outside. Um, yeah. So being outside, just embracing the whole environment, using the environment, using the beach. I mean, um, just doing anything on the sand, jumping in the ocean at the end is, is you know, incredible. I, I've had people with that positive peer, peer pressure you just talked about as amazing, as amazing as this sand, might, might or might not sound. These Some people vacation to the beach and don't even like the beach. I, I found that very hard to believe that they spend big bucks to come down to vacation here, but they won't go to the beach. And after coming to my class, after some sometimes after class, they're like, you know, that was the first time on, that I've ever been on the beach. I'm like, you just spent how many hundreds of dollars? I said, that, that's awesome. Way to get outside your comfort zone. And, uh, you know, you're more than welcome anytime. And uh, I've met my best friends through Sea Level Strength. And I touch, stay in touch with these people. And these people are now like huge beach lovers just because they had that pressure to go down to the beach to do a workout. You know, they would never go down there and sit in a, in a beach chair all day. But they're going to come down and have fun on, on the beach for an hour. And it was just, just kind of crazy. I will, I will not say the same for Mrs. Pip. She still hates the sand as much as she does <laughs> prior to working out anything. She goes to the beach because we all love it, but she still yep. hates the sand. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of them too. It, but like you, just just being at the beach, sometimes we're at the pier. It's, it's all good. You know, just, yeah, just it's great. Of, I mean, it's just an environment in the morning. The sea air is hitting you, you know, and, and it's a little known fact uh, that actually my first ever sandbag workout was with Jim on the pier in... Wow uh in wildwood i didn't even know that yeah, first yeah that, that first one was when you were under the roller coaster under the roller coaster yeah and we did uh it was bar muscle ups i think thrusters or push presses and a run and it was a partner workout yes. um, and i thought i was this like badass uh crossfit and fitness firefighter dude and i put <laughs> i loaded both fillers into the sandbag that i had just received brand new uh, from the, that, the company there that sent, gave me one. And um, halfway through the workout, I took the 25 pound filler out. I'm like, I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to die. I can't keep doing this. I have to lower the weight. Um, and yeah, that was the first sandbag workout. I still have that red sandbag. It's in the wow. garage. Yep. I saved that one. I still have some of the sandbags that we use. So they, uh, they yeah. last last really well <laughs> they definitely do and again for you and, and we've talked a lot about this over the years and then people have heard me say this you know the a sandbags just a great way to train you know it's simple it's safe you can do a lot of things with them and the overall price your initial price layout versus the reward back is just amazing uh, it's by far it's so durable adaptable 
um, feasible, you name it, to describe it. Um, the hardest part for some people is just to grasp the concept of it. And once they once they touch it, they're like, wow, this is uh, this is really cool. And, and uh, you know, dozens of people have bought them since and keep like keep in contact with them. And they're doing workouts all over the country with them. It's pretty cool. It's um, a barrier to entry. Like you just said, people are like, what do you mean? A fit? Like, there I was that day. I'm like yeah. a 75 pound sandbag. I do thrusters with a 95 pound barbell all the time. Look at me go. And then I threw 75 pounds of sand in and was like, this is not cool. Yep. I, I tell everybody from the, uh, up on the boardwalk, I said, after we leave today, you can tell, you can go home and tell all your family and friends that you, you literally brought sand to the beach. That doesn't, that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> All right. But so one, one more workout story guys, and then we're going to, we're going to move on. Cause this is not a fitness podcast, even though I talk about yeah. fitness, but my favorite workout that you do is what you move, how much sand from one? you just make people move sand from one side of the beach to the other. Right. Yes. So it's called the bulldozer. And it all depends on uh, how they're feeling, their effort level of the day. They can either move a thousand pounds of sand or 2000 pounds of sand for one mile. Yeah. <laughs> So it sounds daunting and it definitely is, but it's manageable just like everything else in life by, you know, taking bits and pieces up. So we take, we basically manage a thousand pounds or 2000 pounds of sands by one, one bucket at a time and how, how high they fill that bucket. I'll, I'll map out how far we're going to go. And we just go through intervals of that for a duration. And uh, people love that workout. They love after the workout, they're like, I can't believe I just moved a ton of sand. So it's just awesome. It's an awesome experience. Yeah, I've yet to get to do it with you, but I really want to. I want to get down there one day when you do that one. It's almost like, just let me know when it's going to happen. Because I've seen it for so many years, and I'm like, it's so simply stupid. But it's yeah. like you said, it's taking it a little bit at a time. And I think anything in life, and fitness specifically too, everyone always wants fast rewards. And uh, it's not going to happen. In life, it's not going to happen in fitness. And it's just a little bit at a time. Everyone's looking for the easy button, not just fitness, anything, you know, everyone's looking for them for the hack and bottom line is, you know, the hacks don't work. The easy button doesn't work. And, uh, new year's resolutions don't work. <laughs> it, it'll get you by, it'll definitely get you by, but on the long term, it's just not going to be there for you. Right. And yeah. I think that's something too, that, you know, being in the fitness industry for as long as we both have now, you see it over time, right. That you just, the people that are consistent, it's the same as with the podcast. Weekly consistency is what's made this grow. Um, my consistency, Sebi's consistency, the listener's consistency, same as with fitness. That little bit of consistency, you don't need to go full bore, but you need to keep moving forward. 100%. And career-wise, too, I think, and as, a, as young firefighters, when we were both young firefighters, we didn't realize that. I know I didn't. Maybe, maybe you had it in your mind, but I know I didn't. No, absolutely not. Um, there was no such thing as, you know, taking your time on anything. It was always 100%, 100% of the time. It was never, it was never gradual. <laughs> it's one of those things that, that the rookies say to you when you pull up to a fire and they're all amped up and moving like 1800 miles a minute. And I'm not saying sometimes I'm not either, but my 100 miles a, a minute looks so differently than theirs at this point. And they're like, how did you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. And I've done this a few times. You know what I mean? Like once you do it a few times, you yep. kind of get get that feeling for it. Um, and it's the same almost with anything in life. Once you do something a few times, you can kind of move forward with it a little easier. Oh, for sure. Experience. Definitely. I mean, that that's a huge part of it, right? And trying to take that experience and, and keep growing with it. You know, it's just that, again, incremental growth, which I feel like this podcast talks about so much with all my guests, because that's how you've succeeded in life, right? It's when you really think about that specific concept and you grasp that and you and you reflect on your life, yes, it's it seems so simple, but you don't really think about it till till almost not that it's too late, but till till you're able to look back on your progress. You don't think about it along the way, but I feel like it once you were able to see see it, you know, maybe I'm not saying it correctly no, but you're saying it 100 percent. you don't think about your incremental growth in the moment in any situation right exactly. i mean i can i'll go right back to the podcast here i i feel like more often i'm like no one's listening the podcast is a failure <laughs> i'm a horrible host but then i look back and i'm like oh my god we, we're at episode 49 
how yeah. am I keep, how do I keep doing this? You know, you don't even realize it. And I think that's in a lot of things. It's in parenting, marriage, career, fitness. You never realize it. And then when you do, you kind of got to smile for a minute. Absolutely. Without a doubt, that's, that's always a good thing. So 25 years, sleepy town firefighter, kind of, and sleepy town for seven months out of the year, super busy the rest, the, the other months, right? Easy, easy way to put it. Yes, yes and no. I mean, when you say sleepy town, we definitely don't have the volume of, of people, but we still do have the problems that the volumes would bring us to where the train, the transient people were here. So we were pretty, we were pretty steady year round. Um, we did run, we do run the BLS. So um, just like any other fire department, 70, you know, just throwing numbers out there, but the majority of our calls were, were EMS related. So we were, we were, we were busy year round. Obviously, the call, call volume picked up in the summer, but we staffed for that. So um, as a year-round uh, firefighter, you're, you're pretty much busy year-round. You just can't share the workload with, with that seasonal staff. Um, as probably somebody, I'm sure a lot of listeners probably can't even grasp that as a seasonal concept firefighter, but it's, uh, it's pretty common down here in this part of the state. Um, it still works. It's probably not going to work forever, just like I said, because of that uh, staffing. You know, we just can't find the people to do it anymore. Yeah. And uh, bigger, bigger, long-term solutions are going to have to be made. I'm sure with uh, permanent staffing, uh, with the, the you know volunteer firefighters. That's how I started. And I honestly, when I became a fireman, I thought I was going to be a volunteer fireman and be a, an architect or a builder. I had no intentions on having the best career, you know, best job in the world. I thought it was going to be. I wasn't even going to get paid for it. My mentor was my uncle, and uh, he was a volunteer. Seeing him run out in the middle of the night. Being a fireman, that's all I wanted to do. And uh, shortly after high school, um, my first, the first place that I rented, my landlord was a fireman. And I saw him leaving his house one day in uniform. I'm like, what is he doing? He's actually, you can get paid to do this? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, went through the testing process. And the, like I said, best job in the world. And it was just uh, super amazing to be uh, to be a part of it. It's one of those things too, when, when it's, it's hard to think, like you think about the seasonal that, that folks don't want to do that as a seasonal career. Cause obviously there's a lot of training that goes into it, you know, that's increased over the past 30 years and only increasing more. So why would you want to maybe do that to not have a guaranteed career? You know, you're out chasing instead of chasing seasonal and you see the same with volunteerism too. I mean, that's on the decline everywhere in, in, in America right now, not just the fire service, but just volunteering to do anything. People don't have the time, can't not get paid is an easy way to put it. You know, every, every dollar counts. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see in the future how entry into the fire service really starts to happen because you don't have that chance to volunteer or be a seasonal firefighter anymore. Exactly. You're exactly right. You know, we, Every, every household now is a two-income house. So how do you expect people to volunteer for anything? If their passion is fire service, awesome. But there's so, so many other people, volunteer organizations out there that are suffering just like the fire service, just because of that, that reason. So uh, a new barrier to entry. Like you said, the career I'll fire service is almost suffering from that. Because, I mean, again, growing up with my father as a firefighter, if there was a recall fire, my father could have gone in because my mother was – not working and stayed with me, you know, that would, that was yeah. what happened. my flip flop to me. If there was a recall fire, I'd be trying to see if my neighbors were home to see who could watch my kids because I had my boys because my yeah. wife was at work at the time, you know, and it, it, it affects everything. And it's, again, it's just that matter of how we're going to evolve and, and move forward. Yes, totally. I, you know, what's that one saying? I think I heard Frank Escuzio say before firemen hate, what are the two things firemen, uh, what, what does he say? Yeah, you think two things firemen hate, uh, change and the way things are. Exactly. <laughs> it's 100%. And yeah. again, too, like you look at it and we say it because we're firefighters, right? But that's life, man. Nobody yeah, likes change. Absolutely. I don't care what it is. And nobody likes the way things are. I don't care yeah. what it is. <laughs> totally. As, well, you're totally right. Look at social media and like your town, because I'm sure Wildwood, just like little Allentown, has a Facebook page and just watch what people write on it. I'm uh, like, yes. you can't win no matter what. Yeah, no, you can't keep everybody happy. <laughs> no, that is for sure. That's like the number one rule of uh, of politics. Yeah, I don't, 
I'm glad I'm not involved in that. <laughs> well, I'm beyond glad I'm not involved in it, but that's it. You can't keep everyone happy. I wouldn't say it's a number one rule of leadership because as a leader, it's not necessarily my job to keep you happy, let's say, but you want to try to keep people happy as well. Um, but that all comes into play with that attitude and, and how you're going to move forward. And, and you and I have talked a lot about that by learning things from people like Chief Fiscuso and, and listening to Jocko and just different mentors along the way. Absolutely. Um, that's key. That is, that is key. Um, just finding pe good people like that and learning, you know, learning those, those examples. Um, and adapting them to you, right? Because I can't do everything the way Jocko does everything. Cause I'm, I'm not him, you know, yeah. what I mean? like it's, it's not going to work for me. I don't want to four 30 in the morning. Right. <laughs> Trying to figure out what works for you. Then, um, what, what works for this guy doesn't work for that guy. That's that, that's, that's the, that's a big part that, uh, the biggest challenge is, is people skills, like anything else. Doesn't really matter. Fire service in your family. You know, I have two sons. They're not, they're not how I deal with one son. I don't deal with, I can't deal with my other son that way. Yeah. So it's like, you know, just learning all that. Um, is, That's something too, that you probably got to experience in a different way, just because, you know, I know what folks from, let's say, you know, New Brunswick, New Jersey are mostly like, you know what I mean? Like, I know the population, I know the neighborhoods, I know, you know, when you work in a short town, like you did, you were dealing with people from all around the world, you know, the uh, employees that would come in from, from other countries to work, people on vacation, you know, just having to adapt to their whatever they have going on at the moment well, had to be interesting. Yeah. Oh, definitely, uh, definitely interesting and wide ranging, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a really easy way to put it because people come from from everywhere to go there, you yeah. know? Yeah, and not none of it's necessarily wrong by any means. It's just different. So trying to trying to embrace the, that and uh, make them as comfortable as possible was always a challenge. Yeah, nobody wants to deal with any problems when they're on vacation. So that makes it even worse. Like. Sure. <laughs> that that is for sure. But so speaking of vacations, you know, th this podcast was supposed to happen a few weeks ago because you took an epic. It was this like your official retirement trip? Are you calling it, or what was this spurred so, on yeah. this epic road trip? So this uh, epic road trip wasn't even going to wasn't even going to be a road trip. I'll just put it that way. So what it ha what happened was I retired from the fire fire department uh, in May. Um, stuck, stayed, stayed around all summer, stayed home, didn't really do much traveling. Um, just did the sea level stuff. I worked for, I worked for Wildwood Crest, a neighbor in town doing some building inspections. And, uh, I guess it was shortly after I retired, I, I saw this paddle, staying up paddleboard race that I wanted to do in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which was a 32 mile paddleboard race down the Tennessee river, which is a very daunting task. That's um, not, I mean, it's not short. I've yeah. still paddleboarded like a hundred yards a couple of times. <laughs> so my goal, I trained all summer for was that race. And I've done other races. There's right, local races around, uh, uh, around the Cape. It's called around Cape May, uh, which is about 13 to 15 miles. There's a, a race, the Dean Randazzo race around Atlantic city, which is like 22, 23 miles. So, um, I really enjoy staying up paddling for an endurance sport. Saw this one pop up. I got up at midnight because there was like a, a, a cutoff line. Like if you weren't signed up for this race by 12.05 with a midnight release, you weren't going to get in the race. So 600 people signed up for this race and uh, I was one of them. Awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so that happened. I signed up for the race. My, I, uh, I guess it was probably like a couple weeks later. My girlfriend says to me, do you want to do a uh, a half marathon and without even batting an eye, I just said, yes, I didn't ask where, didn't really ask when it was just like, hell yeah, let's do it. Anyone, you know, you know me, I'm up for a challenge. Just, just throw it out there. and I'm, I'm going to make it work. And, um, later that day or the next day, I, I told my oldest son what, I, what my plans were with them two races. And, uh, he's like, you do, you realize that they're only like a week apart. I said, no, I didn't, I didn't even realize that. One thing that happens as you retire is you kind of lose grasp of time and and yeah. don't even know what day of the week it is most times. We're definitely date. So therefore, when I signed up for these races, I had no idea that they were a week apart. And um, once I did find that out, I was like, wow, this is a week apart. I've always wanted to drive, you know, across country. I don't think I met, I didn't think I mentioned where this half marathon was, was in Moab, Utah. So 
Um, Tennessee plan, first, then Utah. Yeah. Plan. <laughs> so my plan is this is going to be great. I'm going to drive from here to Utah and, uh, bet, you know, do these two races and have a heck of a, a heck of a trip. Well, the first logistical hurdle was to get my stain up paddleboard to Tennessee and then back to New Jersey so I can keep going. Thankfully, I had a good friend, uh, Kate from Tom's River. She graciously loaded my paddleboard up and took it back to New Jersey so I can continue my my trip west. That's a win. Yeah. So the trip, the uh, that was the first hurdle. Like as soon as soon as that as soon as that went down, I found I figured that out. I was like, oh, this is this is definitely going to happen. So like uh, a month out, I decided I decided to to really plan it out, figure out some loose loose plans along the way. And just commit to to the road trip, which is what I did, and jumped on the road, did that stain up paddleboard race. It took six very long hot hours. Uh, How so? Were you going? So I've never. I mean, I've seen stand up paddleboard races like you have done around the island and things. But if you're on the river, are you always yeah. going downstream or? Yeah, have... <laughs> technically yes. You okay. Should. We definitely had current. But as luck would have it, there wasn't much current that day. So it was kind of like dead water. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So sometimes this race could be super fast. And sometimes this race could be super slow. Sometimes this race can be 80 degrees. And other times it can be snowing. So literally when you pack for this race, you have to pack for it all, which is what I did. And um, as grueling as it was, I was super happy. I was ready to, I was prepared for hot weather because that's what I train in all summer. So I was thankful for that. I wasn't freezing my, my toes weren't cold or or my hands weren't numb from the from the cold air um but it was super hot and uh it was it was awesome it was i would do it again in a heartbeat the race was amazing tennessee river i'm used to seeing beach beachfront and uh being going down 32 miles down the tennessee river just seeing mountains and stuff was just an epic i'm gonna say the view had to be epic right? yeah absolutely and just not to mention like I said, there was over 500 people in this race. So it was just like, you know, various watercrafts. They weren't all staying on paddleboards. There were some prone paddlers, which you're on your hands. Or I'm sorry, you're on, you're usually laying down using your hands to paddle. So if you you think staying on paddle is hard, then, yeah. Yeah, I've paddled out into the surf before. That's enough. <laughs> just a little bit out and I'm good. Yeah. I couldn't imagine uh, doing it on the river. Yeah, that there's uh, different styles of boats, anywhere from three to I think there was like some vessels that were like big rowboats of like 10 people or more. So when you heard them coming, you better get out of the way. Cause you, I was going to say you're moving. That's like when yeah. you're doing the try and then the person with the uh, zip wheels is coming behind you on the bike and you're like, let me move over to the right. Cause I can hear <laughs> them coming and this is going to hurt if we hit. Yeah. So, is it kind of like, like a race like that too, for the folks that like me, who've never done it, but now I'm, of course intrigued. Um, or is it kind of like when you're in like a marathon or half marathon, you're talking to the folks next to you, you're kind of, are you more in your own zone? Let me not fall off the boat. So this is a little bit of both. This is one of the few races where you're allowed to what's called draft. And they actually have draft trains where you, as you're paddling, you're going to find some guys and girls that are in your, uh, around the pace that you're at. So as long as they're doing going your pace, you can literally jump in break, directly right behind them. Think race cars, how close they get yep. to each other. And you can literally go as long as you can hang with that pack for as long as you decide to go. So, yeah, there's a little bit of chatter and fun, fun times along the way. Um, but for me, I didn't even do, I didn't do any drafting because I've never done it before. I was going to say, it seems a little, uh, if you're not, know, if you don't know what you're doing with that, I feel like there, people aren't going to like you. <laughs> yeah. It, I didn't think they wouldn't like me, but I just didn't really find any, I didn't, I, I didn't stick. I couldn't come across a pack long enough that I felt like I could stick with this pack. Gotcha. So then my mission became to just catch these packs and pass them. <laughs> so I would see a pack coming. Then I'd be like, yes, I just beat all them guys. Now I got to go catch the next one. Yeah. Kind of like made the time go by because six hours got pretty long as, as scenic as it was. It definitely was a, was a grueling day. <laughs> it's such a great mentality that people, you know, when you do longer races, like a marathon or a half marathon, you know, I'm picking people off left and right. Like I see somebody and they could be the nicest person in the world, but in my head, they're my enemy. And I have to get past that person uh, before a certain, even sometimes I'll do it before a certain spot. You know, I want to get past you before I get to this spot or something just from yeah. mental mind games. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just talked about it briefly earlier. It's just, it's just them smaller, you know, you look at that monumental task and you just chip away at it. So that, 
what those groups of people meant to me was just, okay, just check that off. Now it's the next, check that off. And it's just, you just kind of, you know, incrementally get to the finish line, the next checkpoint, not necessarily, I wasn't looking at the finish line. Hell, I couldn't even see it, but just knowing that I was still going, you know, checking them boxes or, or passing them people along the way. It's just enough to keep you kind of motivated. A lot of spectators. Is that a spectator sport? <laughs> so there, there was, but it wasn't for 32 straight miles. Yeah. It's different vantage points. And uh, thankfully, um, the crew that I was with, they were very, very seasoned. They had all, like, I literally was so lucky to find this crew, Kate and her, um, her hall. There were so many people that I just jumped in with them. They knew the vantage points. They had people cheer, people cheering for us along the way. And uh, it's just one of them things, though, your first year, you're probably not going to find those places to cheer your friends or family on because you're just kind of getting the lay of the land. Yeah. So, oh, dude, dude, the first time you do anything big like that, like the, the, I ran the Disney marathon and I, my pregnant wife and sister at, uh, it's 5 a.m. for the Disney marathon is like the kickoff starter, 4 30 in the snow in Orlando, Florida, because it snowed when I ran the Disney marathon, because that's what always <laughs> happens, right? I never saw them the entire race. Oh, yeah. Never. Yeah. They were in like six or seven vantage points. I never heard them. I never saw them. I was, we had stuff set up, I couldn't find them. My brother-in-law, not even kidding you, walked out of his hotel room, stood for five minutes, and high-fived me as I ran by. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's pregnant Tracy, like really oh. pregnant Tracy, like not even, yeah, never saw her. <laughs> it's not easy being a spectator. I, as proud as I am as my accomplishments, my son is a two-time Ironman, and uh you know, when I, I jokingly say it's not easy being a spectator because as, as hard as it is to be an Ironman, trying to keep up with them, you know, re, figure out the racetrack and all that stuff. Um, super, super proud and super there, super happy to, to, to be there to be able to cheer him on. It's pretty awesome, too. And, and we're going to throw Jim's Instagram up here at the end and things like I always do. But just give him a follow because his his boys are doing awesome stuff. He's doing awesome stuff. And it's that thing that keeps me motivated you know, is watching other people be motivated about other people, if that makes sense. So like watching Jim with, with his oldest son um, and actually, too. and your youngest is now yeah. into it too, but I know your oldest did the Ironman stuff because yeah. we were actually going to go and catch him. Uh, I did a, I did a mud race in Wildwood with my yes. boys and showered at your house yes. and we were trying to get to Atlantic city to catch your son. And you're texting That's me right. like, yo, he's almost done. Don't even, don't <laughs> even try to get here. Yeah. But that kind of stuff is so motivational to me. Absolutely. Like I've always said, and we'll get back to the trip in a second, because I love, I love talking about my boys more than anything in the world. Um, pressure is a privilege to me. I don't, I, and I don't say that lightly. Um, making, raising men is not an easy task. And to be able to raise men, I've always wanted my men to be stronger, faster, smarter, and kinder than I ever was. So the pressure for the pressure that, um, for their whole life to be that is now coming back to me. So now I've always raised them that way to be better than I could ever be. And now it's kind of back, it's getting back to where they're now pressuring me to keep up with them. So like kind of one hand washes the other. And it's just amazing to see the, what my sons have accomplished with the Ironman. My youngest son was on the beach patrol and now he is just going, he's going to enlist in the Coast Guard. Awesome. So, um, you know, you hear a lot of, you hear a lot of people all the time talk about that next generation is the problem. And I don't agree with that at all. Um, we were the problem. People said we were the problem. Exactly. <laughs> we were the next generation, right? I always tell everybody before you want to deflect on the, anybody, look in the mirror, look what you've done for that generation and tell me, tell me you've done your part before you start complaining about a generation. And a lot of times people walk away from me because, uh, that's a hard part to, it's a hard part to look in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's one of the hardest things to do, you know, and, and especially with, with statements like that, you know, where like, yeah, we, we were going to be the generator. MTV was going to ruin everything. <laughs> Nintendo was going to ruin everything. Xbox yep. was going to ruin everything. Now, TikTok and Instagram are going to, it's just that, that cycle just continues, you know, and when you're raising children, you know, like your, your boys are a little older than mine. So I'm, I'm definitely taking life lessons from you watching you online and things. But it's that trying to like you said, like pressure them to be stronger, faster, kinder than I ever was. Yep. And I really hope I get that in reciprocation when they do become men that, you know, I'll be in that stage of retirement like you and come on, boys, it's your turn to, to push dad now. Yeah. 
it's uh it until you're there it's it's um it's very hum it's humbling it's it's it you're so I, i'm so grateful for it and just to see the efforts kind of pay off is just uh you know it, it's i'm just happy super super thankful super thankful for sure and, and 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 your little guy he doesn't have to go too far for the coast guard training center so he's yeah, just, <laughs> it's in his backyard pretty much exactly so. well the funny thing about that and I know we got sidetracked here, but he has to go up. I have to drop him off to a bus in Philadelphia <laughs> <laughs> to come all the way back to all go the way to back down to five minutes from our house and uh, get on the other side of the Coast Guard, the fence there, and um, not seen for a, or several weeks. So. Um, that's, that's awesome man that, that, yeah. it's just those things that you like to hear too you know you like to hear you know young people succeeding and, and kind of moving their lives forward and whatever they want to do you know yeah. like i know your older son when uh, he was doing some job stuff we were talking back and forth and just seeing him being happy about that and happy about the iron man success it's just yeah. so great for anyone absolutely and just just having that you know that mindset to embrace the challenge to see a task you know I, when I was in my twenties, there's no way in the world I could do an Ironman. And, and, it, you know, to see that task that he was able, and we're going to talk about it again here real fast, but a task that is so huge to be able to break it down into manageable sections and to do it. You know, when I say I did a, a stand up paddleboard race, I did it essentially for fun and for an excuse to train that much. He's trying to, he is training so hard. He's, he's trying to get to Kona next year. So like, yeah. he's on a whole nother level of, of commitment that I was never, never at, um, in any way, shape or form for, for stuff like that. So I'm just super proud to see, to see all that come to fruition. There was a while where I thought I would try to be an Ironman. And then I did a triathlon and was like, <laughs> nah, nah, I'm good. Like, I really like running. I like biking. The swimming just was not my thing. Like it was just not, and I was so dejected after the swim that I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm just gonna go back to this other stuff. Like maybe stand up paddleboarding could be my thing someday, though. It's absolutely. <laughs> Hopefully Tracy doesn't listen to this part because <laughs> she's gonna be like, you don't need any more things. You're done. So you do the stand up paddleboard race, then yes. you jump in the car and you head from Tennessee to Utah alone. Yes. Or... Yeah. So basically. I had no, I, I was by myself for, for an entire week. So that was, so the stand up powderboard, stand up powderboard race was Sunday. Um, as soon as the race got done, I felt like I just did a six mile, six mile, six hour race. I felt like crap, but I, I was not hurt. I was still able to recover. I was like, yes, I made the, made the, made the, uh, commitment right there. I text my sister saying I'm coming to Mississippi tomorrow to see <laughs> So she was completely surprised. It was not planned. Um, I told her loosely that I, I possibly could. I said, but I told her what was ahead of me that, you know, if I get, you know, if this race doesn't go well, there's a good chance that I might not make it to your house. So um, she was not, super not meeting like that, just meeting like, you know, I may be way too sore to do anything the next day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not even sore, but yes, exactly. So that the race went great. I was able to recover well, jumped in the car the next day. Um, it was about six hours south to a town just on the Mississippi border of New Orleans. And I stayed with her for two days. I was never able to see her house. She's been down there for over 10 years. So just seeing her, um, her house was, uh, was awesome. Um, seeing the family down there was great. Southern hospitality at its best. It really is. Um, experience it firsthand. I recommend it to everybody. Um, so I kind of went south from there all the way down Chattanooga. And then I cut across through Texas from her house. I went to originally my, my, my plan was to go to Austin, Texas and see stop at Joe Rogan's comedy club. Okay. Catch a show that midweek, uh, that Tuesday night. Unfortunately, because I didn't commit to buying the tickets ahead of time, the show was sold out. Oh. So yeah, I was, I was so, so bummed. And, uh, Looking at social media the next day, uh, the people that were there were like Joe Rogan, Tim Kennedy, like that whole his whole crew was there oh, watching. That's why it was sold out, probably. But yeah, that, exactly. I mean, it was a you know during the week there they have kind of like I don't know if you, if you if you're familiar with it at all. They, they with this club, it's kind of like entry level guys that um, you might have a headliner pop in and, and every now and then, but it's typically not. So that's that's what I was looking forward to. But that didn't work out. So I just went a little bit further north and stopped in Fort Worth. And uh, that town was amazing. Uh, there was a uh, 
section of the town. It's called the Stockyards. I don't know if you have ever, ever been there at all. I've not been, but so the five 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 founder is from Fort Worth. He's a Fort Worth fire captain. Uh, so I heard oh, okay. a lot of things about Fort Worth. I've never been though, but I want to someday. That's on the list. Yeah. So it it was a fun city, and they they literally had a cattle drive through through the cobblestone streets. So I saw a real life cattle drive down the. Uh, down the street right outside my hotel window i stayed there for uh one or i think i stayed there for two nights just because of when i when i arrived uh and then from there i headed through texas up to amarillo i think i stayed yeah amarillo texas i think it was amarillo yeah i found this place called the palo doro canyon which i thought was amazing like i'm driving down the streets i'm driving down the street or the highway and then all of a sudden you'll see like a canyon. So there wasn't really much elevation, I should say. Okay. It was essentially a canyon where you'd see like this humongous canyon. And I'm thinking, wow, that, looked, that was huge. So I, I, of course I went there, spent the day there. I hiked seven, I found a trail, like seven, a seven mile trail. I did find some, which I did find some, uh, some mountains and uh, took some epic pictures and hiked, I hiked there. And uh, that was great. After there, I went north um from texas went right through colorado or no i'm sorry right through new mexico i didn't stop there as i'm driving through colorado uh this place called manito this this city manito springs i'm looking up the side of this one mountain and by the way as you're coming oh, from the texas, incline the incline yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i know where you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> so coming from texas what you thought were big mountains were not big at all as you start going north they get really big. And that was like, that was just really cool coming from South to North. It was just like, Holy shit. These are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, uh, they were big. I see this uh, at Manitou Springs. I'm looking at the one side of this mountain and I'm looking, it looks like it's just a straight cut, a vertical cut up the, up the side of this mountain. I'm thinking, what is that? So I took the exit, found out what it was. It was legit set of stairs. That was called the Manitou, Manitou, I might be butchering Manitou the Incline. name of the Manitou city. Incline, it's called the Manitou. Yeah, Manitou Incline. Was essentially what it is, it's a 2,000 foot climb up, it's a two, it's from 5,500 feet, I think it was, to 7,500 feet, one mile, one mile long. So that was, uh, that was my first task in Colorado. Um, Zero level to 5,500 feet. My first couple steps up them, up those set of steps were quite challenging. My heart rate was very hard to recover. Uh, skyrocketing. I'm looking down at my, my watch and I'm thinking, I'm only walking here. My heart rate is like 180. Oh, elevation, elevation training is the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life, in my yeah. opinion, at least. Oh, boy, I lost you. You there? experienced it firsthand now i can totally you there yeah you're freezing a little bit all of a sudden now i don't you're know why. you got me i got you yeah oh no no we made it this long you're cutting off a little bit yeah you're starting to, i don't know everything here on my end is fine because i get a message that says i have a bad you back yep i'm here you there I'm here. I can hear you. Says that I have signal. Yeah, you're just not. You're coming in and out a little bit. We'll keep going and we'll see what happens. You can't see it though. No, you're good now. You're back. Can you see me? You're good. I think we're good. So you you did the incline and you and you got wrecked, huh? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was quite the adjustment to to the to the height. It was awesome though, like. It was very intimidating seeing that from the side of the road, and then uh, once I once I got up there, it was it was awesome. Just uh, it was a, it was a perfect Colorado welcome. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. And then from there, you ended up doing the half in in Utah after that. Yeah. So from there, um, I picked up my girlfriend that following Friday at Denver International, and from there we went up and uh, went to the Moab, U- Moab, Utah. From there, so it was a little bit further north from Denver, and spent a few days there. That half marathon, um, again, coming from sea level, I felt like I was on another planet. <laughs> um, 
Melbab, if you've never been, if it looks like it looked like Mars to me. The uh, the scenery it was just. I'm trying to run a half marathon and not trip over my chin because I'm looking at things that are that I've never never been able to see before, and it was just it was just epic. It's actually on uh, my almost, list of marathons to run is Moab. Just like Big Sur, I have a list like Paris. Yeah. I was really into marathon. And I should probably do that. I, I highly recommend it. It was yeah. uh, I did not prepare correctly for that one either. <laughs> I uh, I set my Camelback back with my stand up paddleboard, thinking ah, it's only half a marathon. Um, they're going to have some rest stations. I'm not going to need a Camelback. And uh, about a half hour into the race i regretted not having a count back <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah definitely some elevation change probably to deal with right oh elevation change and not just the change of the elevation but it was essentially if you can if you can envision a half marathon a spartan race and a tough mutter all in one like but with all natural elements that's what that half marathon is. So what should have taken me closer to, to two hours was I actually took me three and a half. I think it was closer to four hours to complete just because of the, uh, the challenges. Maybe, maybe I don't want to do that one. <laughs> no, do it. Just prepare for it. Just do yeah, it. For sure. Just, just be ready. Just be ready for, uh, for all the challenges. You know, how was the time? Cause you picked up your girlfriend there and it's something that I've never really done. I've never vacationed alone. How was that? Like being on your own, just going. It, I spent a lot of time reflecting, and uh, it, it was it was something that uh, I've never or, hell I've never been in a car for. Like I said, my commute was a bicycle for four minutes to work. There was a lot of voices that were going through my head of my own. <laughs> Listening to a lot of podcasts. Uh, podcast to go to to pay, to pass the time was uh was was the go-to and that's, i mean it's cool to be out there like it's something that you think about like i think everybody wants to do it and you actually went out and did it and had a blast you know yeah and i, I think i think the way that was so loosely planned that i don't know if you could do that with many i mean you could probably do it with one person but you probably couldn't do that as like a family like yeah. i literally had a plan and it was just kind of like i'm gonna go drive six hours seven hours and pick a spot to to uh to, to fall asleep <laughs> so yeah no definitely not with i mean if you're on your own you do what you want you know and i think that's one of the cool parts about it where you get kind of lost in your thoughts you know where yes. i definitely we as a family want to do like a western swing type thing um yeah. or like a northwestern swing and then a total we want to do the whole coast in california at some point um but that would have to be planned because there's just yes. no way the four of us we would it wouldn't last long in a car yeah. <laughs> we didn't have a plan <laughs> and it's funny because part of this when we were talking about doing this this episode you were like oh, i want to hear about your trip to iceland and I was say all right enough about my trip <laughs> so we're right around that hour mark though but what i can tell you and i haven't i don't think i've done this yet this will be the first time that episode 50 uh finn is going to be my guest my son finn and a large portion of that episode is going to be about iceland oh, so okay. awesome. if you tune in next week Yes. You'll hear all about our Iceland trip. And right now, Iceland's going through some challenges right now, right? They got a volcano. The volcano that uh, started erupting basically the day after we left Iceland was when the evacuation started. Oh, wow. uh, we had been warned about it prior to going, obviously, warned about it when we were there. Um, and yeah, the day after we flew out, they started evacuating the Blue Lagoon and then uh, Grindavik, uh, which has been evacuated for over 30 days now. Um, but they're hoping that now that the volcano has erupted, they may be able to start to get back. Okay. Because that was the issue is that the volcano there, it's lava flowing underground. So think about like our sewage, our sewage system, except that is all lava. And they didn't know where it was going to erupt. It's not like a volcano right. that has a top that's going to blow. Wow. Oh. So it's my I'll, I'll take my hurricanes. <laughs> <laughs> so my buddy who's a firefighter there is sending me video last night and pictures from his house. And I'm like, so are you going to have to respond? And he's like, well, they haven't said yet, but you know, if it starts to affect homes, we may just go set up portable monitors just to try to cool the lava. And I'm like thinking like, imagine that you're setting up a portable monitor just to cool lava. And is it really going to work? Like think yeah. about how many times you've set up a, a, a deck gun and 
the house is on fire and the water's barely making the droplets are barely making the house because it's so hot. I'm like, how does that work with lava? Because there's just no way. <laughs> oh no, now you really froze. <laughs> I was gonna say how much oh, I lost you. You there? We may have to boost up our internet. There? Yep, now I got you. You're back. It's hard there? to see. it's hard to say if it's you or me at this point. I, mine looks like it's got all the bars. Yeah, I have them all too. This, this is this is the weirdness, you know. I think like the real deal, like professional podcasts, they send people things so this doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, the size of the National Fire Radio aren't here yet. <laughs> yeah. But if anybody wants to to sponsor us with one of these things to make it so the internet doesn't freeze for our guest, I will gladly talk about how awesome it is if it works. So feel free to to send that my way. <laughs> All right, let's see if we can hit. We're going to hit these size up 10 and we'll see how far we get. And if not, we could always do it at a later date, right? Still. All right, so 10 quick questions. The beach or the mountains? It's going to be a hard one for you. Oh, beach. Okay, well, I figured with your recent time in the mountains, you may have changed your mind. <laughs> Honestly, when I came back to the beach, the smell of the ocean was was amazing. Like I missed, I legit missed the ocean. <laughs> it's like the movie uh not the outsiders uh the warriors you gotta go to the you gotta go back to the ocean <laughs> I, I do have I, I enjoy the ocean or i'm sorry I, I enjoy the mountains not just running them but snowboarding with my you know my boys and everything that that's a huge part of my life but living by the ocean second to none nice a night out or a night in anymore in <laughs> a good book or a good movie book for sure just finished one cross-country road trip which you pretty much just did by yourself but who would your celebrity co-pilot be if you got one celebrity huh. would it have to be a celebrity i guess it'd be famous to me famous to you yeah okay. i've been on i've been on a uh a Huberman podcast kick. So listening to him has a uh, Huber Huberman. Huberman. Okay. We'll have to yeah. check him out. I don't know who that is. So yeah. he's a uh, check him out. It's very, it's very science. It's very science, very in-depth science on psychology and human performance and stuff like that. So uh, if I could spend some time with him in a car, that'd be pretty cool. Cool. All right. We'll check him out. Huberman. Do you make your bed every day? I know this answer. Yes. Of course you do. One million dollars right now, or you get to go back to 18 with a redo. Uh no, I'll take them. I knew you'd be taking the million. Yeah. <laughs> you could best part, I, I, yeah. I, I'm viewing retirement as an encore chapter. It's the best, you know, we had the best job in the world. Being being able to being able to uh you know, retire so young and, you know, not be injured. Be, I'm in the best shape of my life mentally and physically and uh, looking forward to the next chapter. So I'm calling it the encore. So I would definitely not want to go back and change anything. <laughs> I like the encore. You know, you may just change the name of the podcast. I had something else in mind, but I like the encore. So we'll see. <laughs> I remember, after all you're driving, this is a good one for you. Highways or back roads, which one do you take? Oh, jeez. I still don't enjoy driving, so I'm taking the highway. <laughs> See, I figured you'd be like, I'm more laid back. I'll go with the back roads, like like beach dude, like taking the back roads. But I can see that if you don't like driving. Just get where I got to go. <laughs> Give me the bicycle. <laughs> yeah. A bucket list place to visit. Bucket place. Um uh... Honestly, I think I don't I can't really pick just one, but after seeing the uh the Moab and the arches at National Park there, I want to see I want to see them all. Um that's a good uh, one. I would just say the national parks in general. Yeah, that, that dude, there's so many amazing ones. That, uh, and two, when I was younger, I didn't even think I'd ever be saying that. But now I want to go see them all. I want to see all those things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that Absolutely. was a cool part of Iceland. Finn and I will get into it, but Iceland, it was such an amazing landscape. And I was telling the boys, I'm like, we have amazing landscape in our own country. We have to go see it. 
just haven't done it yet. Yeah. Honestly, I, I've I've always been told that too. And, and until you see it for your with your own eyes, pictures don't do it justice. And uh, we love everyone loves to travel abroad. And and honestly, you know, not to say that I won't travel abroad, but um, after seeing what's what's here, uh, you know, I'm going to take full advantage of what's here as much as possible. Yeah, there's some amazing spots out there. All right, two more questions: football or football? Uh, football. The American, the American one. Yes. <laughs> so right, my youngest, see. my youngest son, my youngest son lo- likes soccer, but he's, he's a he's a football fan as well, an Eagles fan. But like my oldest son, so um, my oldest son played f- American football. My youngest son played uh, football. Football. <laughs> Bad couple weeks for the Eagles fans, but you know this year. We should not a Giants fan. So we had we had a good run with our, our Tommy Cutlet. So he, he got us yeah, through yeah. a couple wins. <laughs> All right, last question, buddy. Exactly. It's gonna t- the ahead. best the best advice you could give to your younger self. Uh best advice I could give to my younger self. Slow down. I like it. I do like Slow that one. Down. I think that's a good way too, to to go into your to your encore chapter of life here, right? You just slow down a little bit and and stop and smell the roses more than you ever did in the past. Yep. Slow down and be present. I guess I could add to that. Awesome, buddy. Well, listen, I cannot thank you enough for the time today. This has been a great catching up for us because because we haven't seen each other since vac- my vacation this past summer. So we gotta yeah. definitely try to meet somewhere in the middle in Jersey here in the next couple Absolutely. of weeks for it. Sounds good. Awesome, man. Well, listen, you have a great Christmas. You too. Everybody, actually, Christmas would be over by this part. So I'm just saying that because you're my friend because have a great Christmas <laughs> next week, even though when this comes out. But again, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Thanks to all the sponsors. You know, 2023 has been a great year. I'm super stoked for episode 50 because I get to have my man Finn sitting next to me and uh, just kind of chatting with him about life and seeing what he's got going on because he he wants to, he's been wanting to come on an episode and I don't necessarily know why. That's so it'll awesome. be interesting. It, it'll be a lot of fun the next one. So not that this one wasn't a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, but, I'm looking forward to hearing about ice. Awesome, man. Yep, definitely going to be a lot of ice on talk in episode 50. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. Thanks to Jim for the size up by National Fire Radio. This has been Pip. And remember, it's because what you do off the job matters. National Fire Radio.